Caution. Learning in progress. Welcome back to another episode of Smarter Every Season. This is Paul Harms. With me in the studio today, I have Tyler Hubert, Nolan Gitterman, and Hans Stutzman. They're going to help us dive in and continue our planner maintenance session. I'm going to go a little fast on the open here because we've got a lot to cover. This is our disc openers and gauge wheels and our depth stop session. So there's a lot to cover here. And I know we're going to dive into the primary thing that everyone thinks of when they talk about disc openers and gauge wheels diameter and shimming now i'm going to refocus the conversation later because there's a turn we want to make in here as we focus on the why but let's go down the normal rabbit trails of diameter and shimming so i mean diameter one of the first things we think of when we talk about diameter is the fault depth or the 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 shallowness that you get when you have a a smaller than desired or oem or necessary diameter on your disc openers so let's back up a second the diameter of the disc is the distance between the hub to the edge of the disc. That's radius. Diameter that's radius. is from one edge to another edge across the center line. So let's back up a second. Diameter is the distance from one edge of the disc to the other edge, the completely opposite edge of the disc. Yep, make Correct. a line, and that line must go through the center. Okay. Yep. So when we talk about a false depth, essentially... So the the two common uh, diameters that I think I'm aware of with opening discs are, what, 14 and 15? 15 and 16. 15 and 16. Case, I believe, has a 14. Okay. So um, as those wear, what happens to the diameter of that disc? It Basically, it starts to eat eat away at the diameter of the disc. What essentially starts to happen then that can create a false depth? So as you wear, let's say you wear off a half inch or basically we, we assume that a half inch of diameter, which is a quarter inch on each side, if you set your disc openers or your depth adjustment at the same position all the way through, by the end of the time that you, from when you started with those disc openers to the time you hit the end of it, you shell it up by a quarter inch because you've eaten that much off of your disc openers. You go past that and you get down to, let's say you take a deer disc opener from 14 to 15 now you've gotten a lot shallower planning depth than what you actually realize. You're actually a half inch shallower than what you set it for. And that can be especially dangerous as you get longer into the season and that moisture line in your soil begins to drop or move lower from the surface. If you are already within a half an inch or a quarter inch of the moisture line, and now it starts to recede at the same time that your opening discs wear away and you're shallowing up that same amount, now you can have... What could be one of the worst environment situations is some of the seeds in moisture and others not. Correct. So then I'll get a very varied emergence process, and I'll, and I'll have some that will fire today and some not for a week, and, and then I get drastically increased numbers of late emergers. You also are at a little bit of a risk of a reduced cutting point. Yeah, so what you're doing is as your discs shallow up, what you're actually looking at, the discs like to maintain kind of like a, if you think of it as a 730 position or maybe 8 o'clock position on the clock face of a disc opener, you want to be able to cut, push down on top of the soil profile to actually cut through residue. as you get Basically shut. what you're saying is they, they are going to come into the soil at a slight angle. Yeah, they're going to yeah. come. I mean, you want to be either, I mean, they'll cut the best when they can come in like a, at a 7 o'clock, but they work well up to 7, like a 7 o'clock or 7.30 or even up to maybe an 8. But you get to 9 o'clock, and that's basically just pushing out in front of it. That's a vertical assessment to it. And a disc cannot cut 
residue or soil profile if it's coming in on a vertical plane. It's got to come down or a horizontal plane. It's got to come down on top of it to actually cut through it. So when your discs shrink, you're changing the position, the attack position of that disc opener as it cuts through the soil profile. So it's got a reduced ability to cut through residue, move soil profile, and actually create that furrow at that point. Um, Paul, a little bit, we want to talk a little bit about the moisture depth. Now, I could adjust for that simply if I just knew that I was going shallow where I can just adjust my T-handle by a quarter inch and plant deeper. But there's a kind of another risk of going to, of wearing that disc down. What's the other aspect of wearing the disc down as it relates to kind of going to the next point that we're talking about as well? Yeah, so on those opening discs, again, the first one was our diameter, and that gives us our wear life, right? The second part is the shimming, and that's where that other avenue would come into a, to play. If I get too narrow on my diameter, I would need to re-shim or re-approach bringing those discs together because my touch point, and we are talking about the the John Deere, the Kinsey, and the Agco style row units, the standard True V style openers, uh, where there's a double disc openers, two, two discs have a single touch point at about that 730 uh, on the clock face angle. If those discs wear down too much, they'll stop touching and now I can get dirt and dust to slide in or residue to impact and lodge in front of that row unit. Correct. And now you have a much more of an issue with trying to actually shim that because you have a less diameter to work off of. So your contact point changes. You have a difficult time getting your contact to re-shim to the correct depth or to, to the correct range of contact on there. And we're hinting, we've touched on it in, in well, we've glanced across it twice now. The difference between the different row units that are in the market, right? John Deere, Kinsey and Agco, this, the standard true V style, two double disc openers touching at a single point, yep. as opposed to the primary alternative, it would be case row unit, where I have a leading disc design. One of those discs is a larger diameter than the other, and one is tucked behind the cutting point of the other. Correct. Yeah, that's, it, the case is the only one that has a little bit of a different approach to that. They call it their leading edge versus their trailing disc openers. And that actually makes a very different scenario for how you set that up and how you shim that. Their concept behind is that you have a single disc that's cutting versus two discs that are wedged together. So the theory is that it cuts easier through soil profile because it's got a leading edge versus a trailing edge. Yep, so one disc is doing all of the cut action. Right. Both discs are then moving, doing the move or open or pry apart portion of the, of the furrow creation process. That's not complete on a case row unit without the use of the shoe at the bottom to create the bottom end structure of that furrow where the double disc, the true V, where it's touching together, that is actually carving and creating that bottom end of that trench. Correct. Yeah, your your true V is actually all relying on the disc openers where your case has a, a seed boot that could help to create that furrow. Okay, so this is where I want to recenter this conversation. And, and as we're focusing on the why, what's the, what's the purpose for the maintenance? Where's the, where's the value add for me? What, is it, what does it save me or gain me? I like to challenge back on this for the opening discs. What is their main job? What's the, what's the overall purpose of that opening disc? Well, your overall purpose is to create, carve the soil and create a seed trench that's consistent from one end of the field to the other that gets the, the bottom of the furrow is smooth or ready to have seed that you can then put seed and soil contact consistently across the entire field. So I need to carve a line, a furrow in the soil that's consistent, stable. The bottom of it is below the moisture line, and it's wide enough to accept a seed to be dropped in it without catching or hanging it up midway up the furrow. Correct. 
Correct. Okay, that's the overall bearing. That's the, uh, that's the overall purpose behind the opening disc. It's, its job is to roll, cut through residue, cut through soil, create a trench that we can drop a seed into. Aspects that will of the maintenance that will come into to bearing there is the obviously the opening discs, the bearings on those opening discs, the diameters, how they're shimmed. All of those help us or or maintain the the shape and health of that furrow. Correct. Correct. And it's all, I mean, we're each organism is a little bit different in each one concept, but the goal of all of those is to do that very thing, is to create a furrow for a seed, create a depth in the furrow, a gap in the, in the ground, basically, to drop a seed into. So, Paul, one thing, we, we talked a little bit about it. We talked about disc openers and the contact point, and, and there's several things in there. Definitely follow your OEM recommendation, whoever your yes. disc supplier is. And we do know that there's quite a few alternative disc suppliers that are not your OEM provider, they're, they're aftermarket solutions. There's a lot of them that are out there. There's, there's some that are very standard to the OEM as far as the shape and nature of the disc, um, but with different bearings or different wear lies or different thicknesses, and those are relatively straightforward. Again, you still need to maintain their OEM specs as far as contact points or what the um, manufacturer is going to specify on there. But there's even some that are different shapes and different designs on those. Yeah, and that's where we would, again, come back to whatever shape thickness, design, any of those decision points that a grower would go through that's going to work best in their operation, the maintenance remains the same. The goal and the requirement is we carve the soil. We don't just shove residue down. We actually slice through. Yep. We create a smooth, uniform bottom, a smooth, uniform depth. That means all of my seeds have a wide enough trench they can get all the way to the bottom because I've chosen that depth to be ideal for access to moisture with not too far away from the soil surface so that I don't restrict emergence. That's the key there is making sure we get to moisture. We don't get them too far away from the soil that they can't get up. That way, when they do come up, they all come up at the same, same time. time. Have we fully hit on all the talking points around shimming? We didn't specify what the distance of contact is. I will. I think we were wise to leave that alone for now. Um, they are Many documents out there and many OEM specs that we would recommend you follow on those, and that's getting into the weeds of the, the point. Of the point is to make sure that's shimmed correctly. So, yeah. yes, I think so. For our, for our intents and purposes of targeting, helping the, helping the end user understand what the value is behind that, yes, we've, we've covered the why behind it. And that's, my, that's what's behind my heart on this one is making sure everyone understands why they wanna, we want to go through that standard maintenance process. Sure. Okay. So let's shift that. If we're done there, let's move on to the gauge wheels. Let's start right. here. Instead of like redirecting midway through, what's the purpose of the gauge wheels? <laughs> so the purpose of the gauge wheel is to basically stop the downward travel of the row unit. And it's basically designed to set a foot pedal, basically or a pad for the row unit to ride on. That's going to be at the consistent depth or the right depth that we want the disc openers to travel. Okay. It's that's also the primary purpose of it. Yep, it's just to to make the it's the the foot pad that the depth stop until we hit that depth stop. I get that. Yep. Side note on it, it also helps retain the soil or hold the soil in place as that disc that you ever you ever use a pizza roller, pizza cutter, and had that piece of pepperoni that as you were cutting along it traveled up and around the pizza cutter with you. Yeah, I hate that. Yeah. So that's because you don't have a <laughs> gauge pe- wheel. My pepperoni on- has to stay on the pizza. Because <laughs> you don't have a gauge wheel on your pepper on your pizza cutter. So you mess with my cheese. Oh. New invention for you, Paul. There. No, no. But that, but that gauge pizza wheel. cutter gauge wheel. 
But you're right. What you're what you're referring to is it's holding the soil profile down. When you have a disco that's coming out of the ground, you actually have a ribbon effect if you have decent uh, soil moisture that wants to follow that. The soil is going to want to stick to the disc opener and it's going to want to follow that the rotation of that disc up. The gauge wheel is actually helping hold that down. Yeah, so it's holding it in position. It's holding that furrow wall in place as that disc comes up because the seed hasn't actually settled into the bottom of the trench yet at this point as that disc is exiting up and pulling out of the furrow that seed isn't down and in place yet so if that gauge wheel were not present on the back side of that disc as it exits the soil we would have a heaving effect on the furrow wall and run a risk of that furrow wall crumbling down before the seed got into place and now i have an opportunity for a shallow planted seed yep and what you're actually doing there you're actually your your gauge wheels when your disc is run through the ground, they're moving soil to the side. They got to move soil somewhere. Um, and it's actually getting, would, if you had no gauge wheel, it would just blow out the side of it. Your gauge wheel holds in place. It actually kind of firms that the soil profile, the sidewall, just enough to hold it in position while the, you're getting your seed to go back in the trench, but not too hard for the closing system later. Yeah. So when your gauge wheels are up at your planting position, there should be contact between your gauge wheel and your opening disc. Yes. Right? Such yes. that, and I think, Paul, you're actually the one that has taught me this. When you let go of that gauge wheel, you kind of want it to roll a little bit or have to rotate for it to fall back into place, right? That means there's some firming action, if you will, of the gauge wheel up against the opening disc. Yeah, it's it's held and pressed. That rubber is pressed against the metal of the disc tight enough that it won't just drop and not touch. But if our bearing is true and healthy, it's kind of a double double-edged test. It tells me my bearing is good and healthy, that it will allow the wheel to turn and rotate easily. And it also means that I'm touching that rubber onto that disc just enough that there's no, enough friction there that as gravity takes over and that gauge wheel arm drops back down, it causes the wheel to rotate in that process. So kind of what you're doing is almost essentially if the gauge wheel should be up against the opening disc and the opening discs have a firming point where they touch, you're kind of creating a firmed seal, if you will of dirt that you can drop that seed into without any opportunity for dry dirt getting between gauge wheel and opening disc. And as we discussed earlier in the episode, and so that's kind of part of the goal too, is that once that area is all sealed, if you will, and everything has been shimmed correctly, we should be creating an environment that dry seed or excuse me, that dry dirt cannot fall onto our seed. Correct. You are, you are cre- basically you're creating that seal between the disc openers and the ru- and the and the rubber of the gauge wheel. And when you're talking about a gauge wheel, one of the key maintenance pieces to, that ensures that we're mostly concerned with the rubber on the gauge wheel itself as it relates to the contact, the inside lip of that as it contacts the disc openers. That is the primary, um, one of the biggest pieces of a of maintenance on the gauge wheels. If we've got pock marks on out towards the edge of the gauge wheel. That's not a big a concern, but if you have that rubber strip, if that little quarter-inch strip is missing next to the disc openers, that's going to be a problem, and that gauge wheel needs to be replaced. And if that it's again, missing next to the disc opener, that's important. Yeah. And that, again, goes back to that opens up a risk or an avenue for some dry dirt residue to come into the furrow, again, before the seed has had its opportunity to, to drop into location where it should be. That's that avenue, which actually leads us into one of the other common questions we get, which is the types of gauge wheels present we're not going to go into a big argument about the different types the spoked versus solid wheel let's talk about the agronomic value of what we're doing in that in that area and why we want to make sure that whichever type we're using we're using correctly 
Yeah, because I mean, one of the ones that we hear a lot of is a spoked versus a solid gauge wheel, and there's there's very good use cases for each one of those. The idea that if you have a spoked gauge wheel, that's for a mud scenario that you've got a lot of if you got a lot of ribbing or you get mud that pulls up and gets wedged between the disc between the disc opener and the um, inside of the gauge wheel, a spoke allows for that to come out. If you're running in dry conventional till areas where you got dry dirt, a lot of dry dirt, that spoked gauge wheel now introduces the risk that you could get dry dirt to flow through the gauge wheel from the outside in and land on top of the trench. Which is normally why conventional areas we're seeing a closed wheel on the outside. So like Tyler said, we're sealing on an area around that furrow until such time that that seed has met the bottom of the furrow and is placed there fully. Correct. With the with the spoked gauge wheel, you're still concerned about the inside rubber edge, but what you're actually doing then is actually holding the furrow, reaffirming the this whole profile from the disc openers up and holding that sidewall open long enough that you get through and get a seed into the bottom of it versus sealing it dirt from getting back in because your your profile is, is such that with, with uh, dust to get back in again. So do let's comment a little bit on what are some specific maintenance concerns, the, the, the reasoning or cost behind other wheel types. Uh, let's go narrow versus standard. So uh, your narrow versus standard, your big key thing on narrow is going to be the getting behind your row cleaners aspect of that versus a standard. You're going to be riding out on the edge of the row cleaner, so you're going to have a little bit less ride. You'll have a little bit more rough ride with a wider wheel than with a narrow wheel, but then you have a smaller footprint to carry the row unit on okay, a narrow so wheel. Downforce maintenance, parallel arm maintenance, those bushings we talked about last episode are going to be doubly key because you got I'm, more balancing, I'm a smaller foot pad. Correct. Okay. Correct. I know it's still talked about and, and it's used always on an, on a case row unit, but uh, it's sometimes marketed towards standard true V style row units as well. But what about an RID? Take it down to the beginning. Reduced inner diameter. It's where that first inch of contact where Hans was focusing on earlier, that touch point to the opening disc. There's a reduced inner diameter style gauge wheel out there. If you're not familiar with it, that has a different shape to it. Where's my risk there? Yeah, so as you alluded to, Paul, it's a, a RD reduced inner diameter. There's a little pocket that sits closer to the to the opening discs. You're still making contact with the opening discs, but the reason for doing that was compaction relief, right? It was an area of increased soil flowability, if you will, between the opening disc and the gauge wheel. On the flip side of that, if we're not conscious of that and don't make the effort to make sure we have enough downforce to firm that soil into place, our risk is basically loose dry soil that can fall back into our seed trench. And so that's something to be conscious of that, yes, while that is in an effort to help with compaction reduction, we may also get into some lighter, fluffier types of soils that if it's not firmed into place because of that reduced inner diameter, we could run into some problems. And that's a standard option on a case system. We talked about that. And that's because, and they use it in all soil conditions, but then they're also running a boot a seed boot, which is allowing them to keep their furrow open long enough to get through that. Yeah, by having that reduced inner diameter on that wheel, it allows that furrow wall to heave or maybe just not be as compressed as much as elsewhere underneath the gauge wheel. Well, you know, so as my opening disc moves out of the way, if it's if there's not something there to continue to hold that furrow wall in place, that heaved or less compressed soil does have the opportunity to meet the bottom of the furrow before the seed. Again, this is all focusing around making sure we get the correct depth of seed placement because we're targeting that depth for moisture purposes. And so RED tire is not a bad option, especially if you're in uh, your, your wetter soil conditions is where you're going to be in no-till or, or more form soil conditions going to be less risk than a dry conventional till soil with the RID. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so that wraps 
gauge wheels and opening discs fairly well. I think we covered most everything we needed to there. I do want to touch on the last portion in and around there. We said the gauge wheels, the first thing it's supposed to do is stop the row unit from going any deeper. So included in that is the depth wheel, the depth adjust, which is from the T-handle or yoke screw. or screw, whichever your row unit type is, to the point which connects to the gauge wheels. That's a very different, there's a lot of different ones out there on the market. Um, if you think of deer, deer's got what we call the mustache that's in there. Kinsey has what they call a wishbone that goes between the, on the backside of it. The purpose, again, is to set the depth. Mm-hmm. That's the depth connection point. But where you're really going to get into issues with it as far as maintenance issues is where is the wear or where's the slop that's getting um, added up to in that point. Your gauge wheel arms, if you're on a deer system, a gauge wheel arm is going to have divots in the top of the gauge wheel arm. Um, your case ones where the arm comes forwards and hit the stops up front, those also can wear. So if I've got a, yeah, and what, what Hans is focusing on there is if I've got a divot or a wear point that changes the shape of that normal mechanical two mechanical components touching if i've changed that shape now maybe i've got a it takes more force to get that to slide along there or to move and and walk with the soil conditions so i end up bulldozing or not allowing that rodent to ride correctly or i get stuck and it won't actually go deeper than that because it hits the notch and won't slide around now most of those most of the times we do have the opportunity to kind of rotate and use the left turn it upside down, use it on the right. There are some of those that can safeguard us on or lower our cost as we go through. But the key there is, and I'll, and I'll use the analogy back from starting out with my, with my driver's license. First off, my dad always gave me a, a joke of there's more between, there's a lot of things connected between the gas pedal and the tires. Just because you like doing burnouts doesn't mean it's not costing you something somewhere else. So I can't just burn the tires off and call that good. Nope. So (laughs) think about all the, uh, the transmission and the movement of that force from gauge wheels up to that depth stop location. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's stack up of all those different pieces is where you're going to run into uh, a very wide variances in your depths across the planner. We've, one of the things we found out when we started looking at depths on planners is that each row unit seems to have a, a very wide variation in depth compared to the rest of the row units. And a lot of that comes back to the, the wear and the stack up of tolerances and how each part is manufactured. And when you assemble them all together, because you've got a gauge wheel, you've got a depth stop linkage, you've got a, a mustache, you've got the T-handle settings, all of those, or the screw manufacturing, there's there's a there's a stack of, of components that all have to mate together and get forced against each other. And those stack up of tolerances is what really makes up a big difference in your depth. And if those get worn, if one or all of those start getting worn, um, you got a very wide variance in your row unit. I mean, yeah, from a very practical standpoint, if an opening disc or a, you know, think about a pocket knife. If you cut deeper with a pocket knife through the ground, it's harder or there's more resistance the deeper you try to cut, right? So if I have wear on my depth stop and my opening discs need to cut deeper, that's probably going to wear the bearing out on my opening disc faster, right? Right. You're going through a lot more you're you're making up for one piece of the of a wear part with another wear part. Yes. Yeah. And, we'll, and when, now you you're you're and you're trying to overcome all of those wear parts with a downforce system, as we talked about in the last session in in your parallel arm. So all of that goes into what does it take to get my row unit in the ground to the depth that I want it to. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna recenter us back on the original why behind all. We grouped these three together because they're all tied together to furrow creation and getting it to the depth we want. So the key driver behind the value of keeping those components maintained properly is specifically 
getting my seed at the right depth because I chose that depth because that's where the moisture is. So if I have foregone maintenance or things of that nature, if I'm a conventional tillage guy, I got to be more cognizant of not letting that tillage tool get too far in front of my planter because that's going to open up the soil and allow that moisture line to move. If, I've gotta have, if I'm going to have more variation, I need to have more consistency in my soil moisture. Right. That's where we're playing the boundary here. All three of these are really focused around making sure we create that furrow properly, hold it open long enough until the seed gets to the depth we want, because that's the depth I chose, because that's where the moisture's at. I'll even add on to that and say, even to reduce the risk or eliminate the risk of dry soil falling on top of that seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a great time. I know, has anyone ever dug seeds in a furrow? And you clean away, clean away, clean away, and you find the seed, and then you find the next four in a row. And if you step back a little bit, you can see what looks like a a little bit of a light stripe at the bottom of the furrow. So all of your seeds are covered or with a lighter colored soil, and the furrow walls are darker in in color or or tone. Yeah, that's that's because the dry dust from the top got to the bottom of the furrow, and then the closing system did a nice job of just closing that in and hiding that. Well, now we have seeds that have to wait for the soil around them to build up moisture, and then they can begin imbibing. And if that process is in any way variable, again, I've delayed emergence on some and not others. All right. Nolan, you've been very quiet here. Have we missed anything? No, actually, I think you've uh, really wrapped that up pretty well. I would say one of the things, too, uh, going back to the rubber tires of gauge wheels, is to make sure that they're not cracked or worn from previous years from just dry rot and all that kind of stuff. We kind of missed that part there, too, because we've seen those just fly off in the middle of the field and never be found again. So, <laughs> Spoken from personal experience there, Nolan. Yeah, that, it is kind of personal experience <laughs> there. It's disturbing to look back on the pass you just completed and see one of your gauge wheels. Yeah, it's better than seeing a row unit, but a gauge <laughs> wheel coming back at you is not a fun thing. So... That's where we've gotten a little bit off the trail. Let's go ahead and pack it up for this episode. Next episode, we will be back and get to talk about seed tubes and the delivery of that seed that we were so concerned about getting to the right depth. In this episode, we're going to talk about its delivery from the meter to the furrow in our next episode.